The Urbanist, unfiltered. Sights and sounds from the Urban League. Straight, Straight up, up, no, no chaser. chaser. All right, hello and welcome. This is the Urbanist Unfiltered podcast. I uh, am one of your hosts, James Davidson, along with my co-host. Hey guys, it's Cheryl Duncan. All right, we are here for the second week of October. Welcome to episode two, Excuse Me While I Protest. On today's show, we're going to have a little bit of fun, as we always do, and also make sure we talk about some real issues. So we're going to go from protesting and its implication in today's world and follow that up with a special topic about uh, black TV. Uh, But before we do that, we're going to make sure to bring in our wonderful civic engagement chair uh, from the Houston Area Urban League Young Professionals, Miss Rachel Green. But before we do that, you know, we always got to make sure we recognize the uh, wonderful facility that we're using. Absolutely. So let's give a quick shout out to Wire Road Studios. Thank you for letting us use your facility to make this wonderful podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge our wonderful super producers, DK. DK. Keep doing your thing. All right. Are you ready to get into this? Let's get into it. Let's go. All right, so we have with us a very important, phenomenal guest, Miss Rachel Green, uh, Civic Engagement Chair, the Houston Area Urban League Young Professionals. Welcome. Hey, Rachel. Thanks. I'm glad I could be here. I hope everybody's having a great day. Yes. How, how you been? What, what's been going on in your world? Uh, nothing much. Just, you know, keeping up with family, friends, doing stuff for work, doing things for the Urban League, which I always enjoy being able to give back to our community and form bonds with other people in our community who are interested in helping pay it forward. So always glad to do that. All right. Cool. All right. So, Rachel, what are some of the Civic Engagement Committee initiatives for this year? Yeah, so we have a lot of stuff coming up this year. Of course, as you know, we have the elections. That's always a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. Presidential elections. We're going to pick a new leader of the free world. So, hey, (laughs) here we go. But beyond that, we have a lot of other things we're trying to focus on specifically within our community. For example, Civic Engagement is going to look to do a lot of events related to health care coming up in the spring to really focus on the health care disparities that we have in our community, how we can address them, from topics of food deserts to immunizations and vaccines, you know, screens for heart disease, blood pressure, mental health, everything like that. We're also going to have a hackathon this year. So that's a new That's a new event we're going to have where we're going to focus on coming up with solutions for juvenile justice. Okay. So that's going to be in February. I'm like super excited about that. Yeah, we're geeked up about it. So that's good that you brought that in there. So I'm super excited about that. And we'll also be doing other things like our storytellers event where we bring in a prominent black Houstonian and just kick it and chill with them, you know, talk about how they got to where they are and ask them if they have any advice for us. What are the local races that we should be watching? Right. So in terms of local races, if you guys have been following the elections here in Houston, maybe not, maybe you're new to Houston, a lot of our city officials were actually voted in for the last election. So mayor, Mayor Sylvester Turner, city council members, city controller, Mm -hmm. you know, all the various different departments, those kind of took place in the March and May elections that we had this year. In terms of local races this year, there's a bit more of a focus on countywide and statewide 
elections. So, for example, one race that I think everyone in Harris County should focus on this year is the district attorney's office. Unfortunately, there have been some issues with how the district attorney office, the district attorney's office has handled different things in the past with regards to how we treat witnesses allegations of improper conduct on behalf of some of the attorneys. Mm -hmm. So we really want to make sure that, you know, do we want to stick with the incumbent or do we want to go with a new district attorney? When we talk about the different cases that are prosecuted here in Houston, the district attorney really sets the tone for what happens. For example, a lot of people are talking about whether or not marijuana is going to be decriminalized. That is in fact, is somewhat set by the district attorney in terms of whether or not they choose to prosecute those cases. Mm, So it's a local race that we should really, really pay attention to. I would say that's probably the number one local race for Harris County. Okay. Okay, cool. So we're going to have to be on the lookout for that. And I believe those candidates are uh, Devin Anderson and Kim Ogg. Yes. Okay. You better know your candidates, (laughs) sir. (laughs) I, I I used to dabble in the political realm. But uh, we'll save that for another uh, podcast episode. Well, I have just one more question. For those people who may not be so informed, where can we access information about polls, local races, and everything where we stand? So the number one resource always the number one resource, is to go to the Secretary of State's website. Mm -hmm. That way you can find out information about pretty much every race that's occurring across the state, as well as information on whether you're registered, if you are registered, what address you're registered to, where your nearest polling location is, things like that. Now, as far as countywide is concerned, each county does have their own website where you can find information. For example, Harris County has harrisvotes.org, where you can find more information with that. Your county clerk's office also has a elections website or a section for elections on their website to provide more info. Let's talk about something everyone wants to know about debates. <laughs> what is your reaction to the debates um, and what do you take on the elections? So for the debates, <laughs> I Silence. Want... <laughs> Silence. <laughs> That's just my answer. No. Uh, you know, I wish I could start on a high note, but unfortunately I'd have to say I'm very disappointed about the lack of actual policy discussion that we've had in the debates. Right. right. You know, At least to me, in the past, it seemed like the different candidates, they go on their little tours, and that's when you get the feel-good, hey, I'm Hillary Clinton, I'm Donald Trump, it's great to meet you, come vote for me, whatever. And for the debates, you had the actual policy discussion. That was the chance to get undecided voters a chance to really see what differentiated the candidates, especially on issues where, you know, like, say, like, gun violence. Every candidate mm-hmm. wants to reduce gun violence, right? right? So let's talk about, like, the actual difference between the two in terms of policy. But I feel like there's been kind of a lack of actually discussing that. I know looking at the second presidential debate, it seems like we got a few questions in before we had an actual policy exactly. question. Right, right. And when we talk about a candidate... You know, my personal opinion is that when it comes to the president, I don't necessarily have to like you. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have you're not running for the office of being Rachel's best friend. Mm-hmm. Right. You're running for the office of running our country. Mm-hmm. And I need I want obviously I want to respect you and I want to know that you're going to serve with integrity. But for the most part, I need to know that you have 
competent policy positions. And I think that it's just, it's, I don't know if we're discussing that as much as we should be. Right. And I think that that really scares me with the debates, especially, I think, as we get to this third debate, which I think will focus mostly on foreign policy. Mm-hmm. Right. Traditionally, it focuses more on foreign policy, which <clears throat> is where the president tends to have most of his power. Sorry, mm-hmm. most of his or her power, I should say. Come on, girl. You know, that tends to be where a lot of times domestically the president, they have they influence Congress. They can sign or veto bills. But really, when it comes to foreign policy, that's where the president really sets the tone in a way that they don't necessarily do domestically. Right. And I'm concerned that as we get to this third presidential debate mm-hmm. where we're talking about foreign policy, we need to talk about, OK, how are we going to deal with the possible ramifications of the Iran deal? We need to talk about we need to talk about Syria. We need to talk about ISIS. We need to look at whether or not we're going to help nations in need, like Haiti, which has been absolutely devastated by Hurricane Matthew. Mm-hmm. Venezuela, which is basically falling apart. We need to talk about how we're going to handle China and Russia, which both seem to be kind of on the attack in certain things. You know, the different Eastern European nations. I'm like, I need to know what you're going to do about right, this. Right. And I'm, conf- I'm concerned that it's going to become a hot take where we end up with I know I personally I didn't like the question that ended the debate. Oh yeah. The second Tell debate. me how you feel. What makes them important? <laughs> yeah. Why are they a good person? <laughs> what? Yeah, I I definitely like asked a few friends of mine. I was like, I feel like that was just a waste of opportunity. Of course, we should be mindful of our rhetoric. We should always be mindful of our rhetoric. You know, I think a lot of people, the problem that they've had with Donald Trump is because of the rhetoric that he's used to describe certain issues towards certain people. So that's definitely something we should be careful of to make sure that we're not inciting divisive feelings. But I'm just like, this is a chance to learn about policy. We're asking like a feel-good softball question. Yes, yeah. we are. Yeah, they they do that, but that I mean, it's <laughs> it's important. It's it's where we're at, and it's it's sad. But there's always hope. There's always organizations like the Urban League, and there's always wonderful civic engagement chairs like yourself. So we are actually going to have to leave it there and uh, and wrap it up. But we are extremely fortunate to have you uh, come in and speak with us. We appreciate. Um, all the plans that you've laid out for uh, this upcoming year. I look forward to seeing you shine and and, uh, your committee members putting in good work and doing uh, what's best for the city of Houston. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks. I was glad to come. All right, guys. So let's talk about protesting. Can I protest? Can I I live? Can Can we we protest? is is that okay what's what's going on out here somebody tell us what's going on well you know we all are aware that colin kaepernick has decided to kneel during Mm -hmm. the national anthem the nfl is blaming low ratings on him people are outraged how can someone kneel during the national anthem this is unpatriotic and they should be burned so let's talk about that james Uh, okay so (laughs) my biggest issue with the reaction well let me back up there is nothing wrong with the way colin kaepernick 
the young woman on the soccer team, Mm -hmm. her name escapes me, there's nothing wrong with their form of protest. You cannot tell somebody how to protest. Mm -hmm. If you tell somebody how to protest, you need to come up with a solution to fix the thing that they're protesting. Come on. It's, to me, it's, it's sad that we live in a post yet not post racial society where you have you see one person a- actively trying to fix the situation what actually all Colin Kaepernick wanted to do was bring awareness to a situation and granted this this happened in uh, either late August or September and we're still talking about it now in October because there are so there are so many reasons to speak up and speak out against police brutality, uh, colorism, racism. There's so much going on in, in, in 2016. What Colin, Colin Kaepernick started is a discussion that is sorely needed. And I and personally, I appreciate the fact that as an athlete, he's bringing it to light because we, you know, we come from a people who have uh, always been very vocal uh, and talking in terms of athletes, been very vocal about what's going on in the world, Muhammad Ali, mm-hmm. Jim Brown, those types. So Colin Kaepernick isn't doing anything new, Mm-mm. but the people who are looking at it for the first time, they're shocked. How could somebody kneel during the flat, during uh, the Pledge of Allegiance or, or the the National Anthem? Well, we know the history about the National Anthem, right? Right. Don't listen to the third verse if you haven't heard it. <laughs> um, it's, not, it's not written for black people right. at all. Um, and just to go off of what you were saying, James, I really appreciate what Colin Kaepernick is doing. Oftentimes we find that um, as celebrities, sometimes they are quiet. They are afraid of losing their sponsorships. Mm-hmm. They're afraid of a lot of different things that can happen um, for their livelihood. And so to have someone take a stance and to have not just him, all these other players who some of them have lost their sponsorships. Right. Having them go out there and say, you know what? I understand that I represent the NFL, but I'm a black man first. Right. Having that, um, them do those things really makes a difference, and it's res- it's very respectful. Absolutely. The, uh, the brother who plays for the Broncos, I think his name is Brandon Marshall. He actually did lose a, uh, a local sponsorship out in uh, Denver, but uh, what Russell Simmons did was he came in and uh, sure did. He, he found a, a new sponsor for him. So that kind of talks to another point. If we were to somehow come together as a people, do you know the type of, of good that we would do? You know, we see somebody, originally it was just Colin Kaepernick who, who decided to take a knee. And then other people started seeing it and they decided to be with their brother. He's a member of Kappa Alpha Psi, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of Kappas across the country who are in support, uh, you know, of their fraternity brother. And it's a really good thing. The The thing that bothers me when you when somebody who sees it for the first time is they're confusing patriotism with disloyalty mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they make their their culture and the lens that they view how America should be and they project it on the American flag. Mm-hmm. The American flag means many different things to many different people. Yes, we are supposed to be one America. We are supposed to be a, a collection of great action and great thought. But when you have segments of our country who are abusing their authority and disrespecting other people, we we have a right to say something. And Colin Kaepernick's say something was to take a knee 
silently still play the game of football. But it's 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 frustrating to me. There is a guy, I believe his name was David Brooks. He put out a article uh, that talked about uh, patriotism and how uh, taking taking a, a stand against the flag is unpatriotic. And some of the things that that he was saying, it, it's just it, it's wrong in the article. I'm actually uh, trying to pull it up uh, now so I can just uh, speak on on some of it. But what it does is it it divides us even even further. And my last point on it, and then I'll, mm -hmm. I'll I'll give it back to you is the until we start looking at each other like brothers and sisters, no matter the the color of our skin, we're not going to get anything solved. We're we're expected to be ourselves, but we we can't be ourselves, and it, it's troubling to me. It is troubling. Um, so I read today an article, and it. It had a quote from Toni Morrison, and she said, In this country, America means white. Everyone else has to hyphenate. Hmm. And so the article continued and talked about how, you know, when you think about patriotism, um, white individuals are automatically assumed to be patriotic. Right. Everyone else has to prove that they're patriotic because hmm. they are not the original people, right? Um, and That's so wild. I think when it comes to... Black people, brown people, uh, people who are not just American, right. African-American, we always have to prove ourselves to be, yes, we are, like, I I'm black. <laughs> I am I have never been born anyone else, but um, in Lafayette, Louisiana, I am as American as American gets. Right. Um, so when it comes to me not wanting to put my hand on my heart or not standing or anything, I'm automatically assumed to be unpatriotic, but they have instances where white athletes have never put their hands on their heart right, and they or don't on get their cell phone right or, or on their cell phone or doing all these things and no one ever gets offended. Gabby Douglas is a great example of that. The girl didn't put her hand on the heart. She got blasted. Terribly blasted on the internet wow. and was called unpatriotic. But I'm sure you can look up any instance of a white athlete and an athlete and no one says a word. Right. So that's just something that I found interesting that quote, because um, I never really thought about that. Everyone else has to hyphenate. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of to your point. If we ever want to see change, perhaps we have to move beyond the hyphenation. Right. And we and we have to continue to move on. But going back to that David Brooks article, uh, I actually found the quote. The name of the article is The Uses of Patriotism. Uh, he's a New York Times writer, so I encourage you to read it and, uh, you know, send us your thoughts if you want. But his quote uh, that I took issue with is uh, he claims that other people won't be motivated to write your injustices because they'll be less likely to feel that you are part of their story. Mm -hmm. That the inherent issue with that is I have to take power from you. It's your story. Well, no newsflash. This is our America. Mm -hmm. It's your story as much as it is my story. And if somebody sees injustice, you should want to help fix that because that's the right thing to do. So that that's just kind of where I'll, I'll leave it at, at that. But one thing, when we're since we're talking about protesting, there's and there's different forms of it. You have a lot of young people, our demographic, uh, millennials, talking about a protest vote, 
where in the in the 2016 election cycle you have Donald Trump, you have Hillary Clinton, and there are people who just don't like any of them. So, what's your take kind of on is protest voting worth it? And that's voting for a third or a alternative party candidate, a, a Gary Johnson and a Jill Stein. Now, what what's your take on that? Should young people vote for another candidate who, let's be honest, they're not going to have the strongest chance at gaining the White House? I don't know. I don't, I, you know that's a hard one. I, yeah. I feel like everyone should be informed. Everyone has the right to vote the, the way they want. But I think that if you're moving to just vote against a person who may be the most qualified right. person we've ever had to run for office, um, you're moving to vote away from that person because you don't like him or her, Right. Um, then I'm not going to say it's a waste, but it's a waste of the vote. Well, yeah, and, I, you know... Pro- <laughs> it's kind of hard because yeah, you can't it, tell it people because, what to do. <laughs> you know, I just went on kind of a rant because... Of, um, of the way, you know, we're being treated in this society and protesting. But when it comes to voting, you know, I, I, the vote is so special mm-hmm. and, and, and important. And you want to make sure that your vote is being put to good use. And a symbolic, okay, so I'll put it like this. In a state like Texas, if, if we're being extremely, well, I won't use Texas because apparently we're in play. Go Texas <laughs> <laughs> for being... Um, kind of up for grabs between uh, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. That's really exciting. It, it really it really is. I, I think Hillary was down as little as maybe four, four or five points. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the plus or minus error, uh, she has a shot. So if you look at, let's say, a safe red state, I won't name a state specifically, where you maybe you want to vote for a Jill Stein because you feel no matter what, Donald Trump is going to win this safe red state. That I can kind of tolerate that a little bit, but if you're in somewhere like Philadelphia, right, excuse me, uh, Pennsylvania, state. Florida, New York, you can't throw away your vote. Right. And I, I'm I'm sorry, you can get mad at me all you want. You are throwing away your vote if you're in a swing state voting for a third party candidate. I respect your ideals. I respect your opinions. If you want to go for the Green or Libertarian Party. What you also have to realize is the next president is going to shape your future and your son or daughter's future. Absolutely. They may have to appoint up to four Supreme Court justices. I mean, it's a big deal. And so I think that's the point of it. Realize that whoever you're voting for, it's not just a temporary thing. These, the, When it comes to America, laws, policy, these right. are things that last a lifetime. You can have a lifetime, at least a decade, of a policy that, you know, you're going to have to live with. And so the choice, when people say the choice is yours, it absolutely is your choice, Mm -hmm. who you put into office. So I, we just both, I think, are trying to encourage everyone out there to do your research. Yep. If you want to protest, you know... Again, we can't tell you what to do. <laughs> However, just really do your research Wait, and I'm, realize. I'm going to sound like them. There's other ways to protest. There's other <laughs> ways. They don't want you to vote, so go out and vote. You you you, you have to. And, uh, you know, doing your research is important. There, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep it real. I have to. There's two candidates. There, There's really four. Uh, Jill Stein, uh, Gary Johnson, Donald Trump, and Hillary Clinton for the fact checkers. Put it all out there. However, the... Think about this. Whoever is on that final debate stage, 
one of those people will be the next president of the United States. Yes. Are you really sure if you're considering a protest vote, are you really sure about not voting for either one of those candidates? Yeah, okay. baby. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, we're 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 back. Uh I I've got to uh, let let the people in on a little secret. Uh, you were, well, actually, you tell us. What were you just listening to? A seat at the table. Okay, a seat at the table. It's, it's good music. We're going we're gonna to talk about that for a little bit. But just to start this next segment off with uh, this subtopic, Black TV is lit right now. Litty. It's, it's ridiculous how it's much good work? programming is on. I'm just going to give a quick rundown. I like Greenleaf. Personally. Amazing. That's why I put that on there. It's amazing. You got Greenleaf. Atlanta, great. Queen Sugar, great. Power, great. Anything Shonda Rhimes, great, great. You got Empire, great. What, what am I missing? I know I'm missing something else. Power, yeah. Power's on there. It, it's just Luke Cage just came out on Insecure. Netflix. Got to get that. What was the um? There's a document. What wasn't documentary? Uh, the Get Down. The Get Down. So there, 13th. there's so much. Have you seen that yet? No, I haven't. I got. I got to see that. There's so much great content on tv right now for us it's uplifting what, what what's your thoughts about it? i mean i love everything my dvr is full <laughs> Greenleaf is probably one of the best written shows i've ever seen in my whole entire life it was amazing yeah. to watch it and what's interesting so I, i'm a fan of Greenleaf. so let me put it out there right now uh on my job i have a co-worker who she's she's a first lady of, of a church and she was actually kind of talking down about it but she had never watched it and so coming from you know strong baptist uh church like you know like mm-hmm. i did i was thinking hmm, should i look at it but it is very revealing it is and very i'm revealing. glad i gave it a chance it's just i i think we're living in great times you know our, our last segment where we just talked about protesting and you still have brothers and sisters dying in the street at the same time we have Great representation right now on TV. Yes, we do. Um, and I think my favorite part about Greenleaf was just so often we put people in the ministry on pedestals. And mm-hmm. I love how the show just showed that these are regular people, too. Yep. They have regular issues. No one is immune to the walk. Right. <laughs> no one exactly. is immune to anything. And that is why I like Greenleaf. As controversial as it may be, it's still a great show. Atlanta love it Ooh. it's amazing written by young people of color oh, yeah. um queen sugar as well is written by mostly females directed by females it's on ava own DuVernay. yeah ava duvernay mm-hmm. um people of color are also producing that of course power is amazing and as you mentioned shonda rhimes i mean what she can't, can't she <laughs> she can't she can't miss right now man my uh my fiance loves how to get away with murder i i missed a few episodes i'm not gonna lie but i hear that show is is really taking who's off. the body Scan- what body i'm trying that, to figure I'm it trying out to figure that out scandal's coming back on yes. i want to go back to atlanta real quick because that was a show to me it seemingly came out of nowhere uh, Donald Glover, mm-hmm. also known as Childish Gambino, uh, decided to write and I think he directed an mm-hmm. episode or two with that. To me, it shows regular black life, but they put such a good spin on it. Right. And it's like, we don't, you know, I'm thinking, where has this been, you know, during during my adolescence, I'm young professional now, but it's so, it's so good to see. Uh, that comes on Tuesdays. Like, I was looking at my calendar before we started this segment, and the entire week 
has black shows. Oh, yeah. Or at least black leads. Oh, yeah. And, and we can't forget about Blackish oh. since we're talking oh, about it. Oh, my gosh. We can't How forget about Blackish. Blackish. That's. Oh, you have to back. love it. Blackish is just amazing. I mean, it's the modern day Cosby show. Absolutely. I mean, it's just family friendly if you're mm-hmm. looking for that. Um, and, you know, it, it. I really love that they talk about black issues. They, on ta- TV. they talk. And, you know, all of these shows, they talk about every part of blackness because Newsflash, Donald Trump, sorry, we're not a monolith. We're not. We don't all live in one particular area of a city, <laughs> inner city. And I've never grown up in there. You know, city. like, there's so much of us. And I, I wish they need to give him a week off from his presidential election uh, race and allow him to watch every show from Monday through Friday. Because we got it for you. We got shows for days. And he needs to watch one just so he can see. I bet you he would be amazed right. at the type of issues we deal with the type of day-to-day activities that we go through. I mean, in a sense, we have to live a dual life where we have to work in one setting and act act accordingly. Absolutely. And then when we come home, that's a whole different world. And so this, I don't know, I'm like, I'm getting goosebumps. I'm really excited. If you're not on any of these shows, you need to be. Yes, you do. ASAP, pick one. You'll love it. I promise you. Oh, and I just want to say that Insecure came on recently. Oh, yeah, that's on HBO, right? Yeah, it's on HBO. It's really good. Um, It's produced by Issa Rae, and she, if anyone knows who she is, she was the creator of Awkward Black Girl. Okay. This is kind of just Awkward Black Girl for HBO. It's great. I think what we both probably love best about all of this is that it's a representation of real-life black people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Queen Sugar, you want to go to Louisiana? (laughs) This is what it looks like. Not all of it, of course, but you you know, they, my grandfather was a farmer. Mm-hmm. This is what a farm looks like. Yeah, um, let's talk about that just for a little bit because that's, it's an interesting take. Honestly, I so I understand it came from a book mm-hmm. uh, where a, a farmer is uh, kind of down on his luck. I think it was sugar mm-hmm. that he was farming. And he, uh, you know, he passes away. I'm not giving anything away. It's all part of the synopsis. And it's the story of, of three siblings who kind of come together uh, in, into a familiar but still new uh, territory and just try surviving to your point, just right. living. They're trying to figure it out, come together, save the farm, right. um, and just it's the story of all of their individual issues and how they come together as a family. And it's beautifully written, beautifully produced. It's amazing, and everyone should watch it because it there's something about it that appeals to everyone. Right. So, so Cheryl, do you think we're in a golden age? Of, of black TV and black cinema, because we've had small pockets of this before. We've had Fresh Prince. We've had Martin, The Cosby Show that you've mentioned, Family Matters. We've had shows like this before. Is this going to be a small pocket, or is black TV as we know it right now here to stay? I hope it's here for at least another five, ten years. I'll be <laughs> honest with yeah, you. Yeah. I mean, but as we all know, things come and go, um, and there's always um, a voice. I will say, um, as the... Population continues to change, mm-hmm. and um, people of color continue to become the majority. Right. I think that maybe TV, hopefully, will um, continue to reflect what is going on in America. Okay, okay, cool. So I got one more subject. I know we mentioned power and empire. Um, there's a few articles out there floating around the internet. There's like a beef 
between oh, child. Power, power and empire. What is that? It's a waste of time. Shows. It's a waste of time. Um, apparently, Fifty Cent is he is overpowered. Hey, Fifty. <laughs> <laughs> he is, you know, an executive producer. I think I could mm-hmm. be wrong of of power, and he's upset because he feels like Empire is stealing his shine. And we all what? know who Fifty Cent is. Fifty yeah. Cent loves to troll people. Why does he do that? Like, you know what? It, I think he got so much money between that uh that vitamin water deal and now power and the liquor that he's uh, supporting won't put it out there unless they're trying to sponsor the podcast right so um I, I think to me it doesn't make sense you know there's plenty of space to let black tv be black tv we don't need to have any generated beef and honestly power comes on in the summer right on it a, comes on, on the a summer. premium service, and on it's stars. on Stars. Right, <laughs> right. Like, it's on Empire stars. is Fox, and I believe it's on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. Right. So, fifty. If you ever listen, chill out. There, there should be no beef. Ghost is not uh, uh, Mr. Lion. What was Lucius? Lucius. They're they're not the same. Um, but let us know what you think. Um, write, write us, give us either a voicemail or an email. We want to know what you're listening to. Or not listening to. I told it myself because we're going to talk about it in a little yes, bit. Yes, we are. <laughs> I want to know what TV shows you're watching. Uh, what did we miss? Maybe there's uh, a- another show. It doesn't have to be all black cast, but let us know what you're, uh, what you're watching. So, Sherelle, yes. we're here. We're, we're here. We're going to have this seat at the us. table. <laughs> hey. <laughs> tell, tell me about this album. This album took me by surprise i was thoroughly impressed and i'll, I'll let you go ahead because i know you're ready i am ready actually i'm not prepared right now okay I I... Got you. it's okay <laughs> so with for for me for for solange i'm not gonna lie to you i'm a 30 year old man i hadn't heard a lot of her music i only knew beyonce in passing but this this new one right here so I, i'm i'm ready to have a seat if that's not too corny, I'm ready to Pull have a seat a at the table. Because uh, this music, it it speaks to your soul in such a subtle way. It's This isn't a club banger. It's not something you're going to ride on the way to uh, where, where the young people go. Now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> wherever you're going. On the night, wherever, wherever you're going. That's not it. This is remnants of Erica Badu. Yes. This is... This is everybody yes. that you can think of. It's got a little Anita Baker in there. I mean, just the... The feel of it, it's conscious. It speaks to what's going on today. I got a lot to be mad about. It's, I mean, and so one thing I'll do, and then I'll pass it to you. The um, the article I read was over uh, "Don't Touch My Hair." So when I first heard it, I'm thinking, okay, you know, she's rocking her hair the way she wants to. Don't mess with it. But I learned by some, I think one of the people who was a part of the uh, the video that don't touch my hair, it's it's actually, she personifies hair, where it's not just the hair on the top of her head. It's, it's her my style. soul. It's everything. Just don't touch it. I mean, what does that do from a, from, we talked about black girl magic. What does that do from a woman's <sighs> empowerment perspective? Okay, well, <laughs> this album First, let me give a shout out to Michael Arsenault. He writes for Complex Magazine, and he wrote this wonderful article called Solange's A Seat at the Table is the Black Empowerment Album We Needed. Mm -hmm. And it absolutely is. And one of the things that he says is when the ability to breathe air in this country feels like a privilege, it's hard not to get emotional when someone creates a piece of art that speaks truthfully to our harsh reality. Mm. And that's exactly what this album (laughs) did. There it is. It, it, 
it's like she gets me. (laughs) (laughs) She got it. She got it from rise to weary. I'm weary Mm. by the ways of the world. Like she just understands who I am as a black woman. She speaks to all of the things that we deal with. Cranes in the sky, Mm. mad. As I mentioned before, I got a lot to be mad about. Yeah. All the way down to FUBU. This girl made a song about PS people. To all our white listeners, we love you. But she wrote a song that said, this song is not for you. Right. This song is for all of our people of color, all of our black people. I'm sorry you can't sing it, but this one's for us. Don't try to come for us. And (laughs) not only that, this album is really great from a personal perspective. Um, I think it's great because I am from Louisiana. Mm -hmm. She wrote part of it in New Iberia, Louisiana. My family's from there. Um, And not only that, she... had Master P, who I think is one of the greatest entrepreneurs we've ever had. Absolutely. Um, unsung, too. Unsung. She had Master P on the interludes. If you don't even want to listen to the songs, listen to the interludes. Right. They're amazing. Tina comes in and talks about how people need to have pride in being black. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. speaks to that. And then she has her father, Mr. Matthew Knowles, who's a friend of the Urban League, who yes, speaks about... Being a part of the first segregated class or desegregated class when he was younger and how he was angry for the things that he had to deal with. She is speaking. She's using her story. She's learning about her history and speaking to the masses. And it's just amazing how no matter where we grow up, no matter what our individual lives are and the things that we can experience we all have a similarity that we can Mm -hmm. all connect to and she does it beautifully it's produced by Raphael Sadiq I should be her PR (laughs) 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 she's just amazing I mean it's it's beautiful okay so here's what we need you to do not not to our listeners we need you to get in your car and if you're going home listen to the album listen to if you're at home Listen to the album. And then on your way to work, listen to the album. I I listen to it all the time. (laughs) She's giving me Erica. She's giving me Lauren. She's giving me everything. She's giving me Solange, but with so many influences. And that's why I love a seat at the table. Let us know what you thought about the album. Did we miss anything or or a piece of a of a lyric in a song that um that that you know spoke to you? So hit us up. You already know how to do that, and uh, we'll leave it there. So check it. If you happen to be in the Houston area, we want to invite you to come on out with Hall YP and hang out with us at a couple of events. On October 20th, we have our happy hour at HMAC. That stands for the Houston Museum of African American Culture. And then we also have on November 5th, voter canvassing in Cashmere Gardens. On November 8th, we have an election watch party at Social Junkie. And finally, on November 19th, we have our National Day of Empowerment. All of this information is available on our website, hallyp.org. Okay, cool, cool. Sounds like a lot of stuff is going down in the Urban League as usual. All right, so check it. Uh, here, here's what I got. I'm sure most of you are aware that the Smithsonian has opened up a brand new museum in uh, Washington, D.C. Yes. <laughs> the National Museum of African American History and Culture. Uh, this this uh, establishment dedicated to uh, all black everything is, I believe, 
I think it's seven floors. Uh, three of them are below ground mm -hmm. and uh, four are on top. If you have uh, travel plans that take you to D.C. or if you want to make a trip to uh, D.C., I would strongly encourage that. I plan on making a trip, if not summer 17, in the, definitely in the spring. So check that out. The, you definitely can't get in there at the end that's of the what year. I was gonna say. Sold like, out. From now until 17, 2017, it is uh, closed right. for all new people who want you to You just need to go ahead and plan ahead. So plan accordingly, but definitely go check that out. All right, folks, we're going to wrap it up. So again, make sure to holler at us. It's the urbanist at hallyp.org. Yes, it is. That is our email. So send us a voice memo, write us, uh, see me on the street, see Sherelle on the street. Tell us what you think about it. So, all right, until next time. The Urbanist, unfiltered. Sights and sounds from the Urban League. Straight, Straight up, no, no chaser. chaser.